Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Guys, this is Dr. Christopher Huffpower, and I am coming to you today from my home studio here in Alvin, Texas. Uh, we had a couple of uh, technical glitches getting on the air, but we're both live streaming this and recording it as a podcast. So if you don't catch the entire thing or you want to go back and, you know, take a look at it, just check out the Deer Doc podcast. It'll be the latest episode. Now, today I am joined by Maria Fuentes and Nicole Perry from CareStack. Should Nicole, should I should I give you a little accent on your name too? <laughs> I'm actually Nicole McVicker. <laughs> oh well, I'm sorry, Nicole. Um, okay. You guys have a Nicole have Perry a too, don't you? Nicole, we so. do. Yeah, we do have I, a Nicole thought, Perry. So my apologies. I should have I should have yeah. uh, asked for clarification <laughs> beforehand. So, uh, guys, today we're going to talk to Maria and Nicole a little bit about uh, some of the efficiencies and economies of scale that DSOs have been able to reach and which ones are applicable to the private practice. You know, it, it's it's often debated. Uh, Maria, I'm sure you hear this all the time. Is the day of the private practice open uh, over? And, you know, you have all these scary statistics like by the year 2030, 70% of practices are going to be DSO run rather than private practice. It's, it's I think that's put out by the ADA. And so those numbers are kind of scary. And because people are resistant to change, a lot of times they don't look at the DSO model and see what can we do, what can we take away to make our practices more efficient and better run and be able to survive. Because folks, the day of the private practice is not over, but the day of having a practice and not running it like a business is and frankly should have been over a long time ago. With the squeeze that we're getting from the cost of supplies and the cost of goods sold, compounded by, on this hand, the reduction in reimbursements by insurance plans, today is the day you need to make a change in your practice. So Maria, without further ado, would you do me a favor? Go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about why it is I'm having you specifically on this podcast and on this Facebook Live to talk about efficiencies in DSOs. Well, thanks for the introduction, Chris, and I'm very happy to be here representing CareStack as well as, you know, I'm here with my with my um, partner in crime, which is Nicole McVicker. But, you know, let me first say that I am the director of the Practice Heroes Program at CareStack, and we're a team of dental professionals with combined over 25 years of experience in the clinical and administrative capacities and our mission is to empower dental offices with real world knowledge. Now, going into your question, I gotta tell you this, working in several DSOs throughout my dental career, there are DSOs that do it well, and then there are also the DSOs that have areas of opportunity. Absolutely. But the, yeah, so the DSOs that do it that's, well. That's the nice way of saying they suck at something. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be politically correct here. I love it, I love it. <laughs> I still have friends out there, okay? So Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I got to tell you, like, top six things, I can tell you this, that we take a look at structure, process equals outcomes, building solid foundations. It. Yep, we're always making adjustments, tweaking it, um, the, the practice operating cycle, if you will, because as you know, the dental industry has also had grown, you know, went from like 
you know, um, cementing crowns to CEREC machines in, in, the, um, in the practice now to laser dentistry, implants and so on and so forth. So you're always wanting to pivot and um, tweak your practices, still have the same uh, structure and process, but always expand and adjust according to what the industry is, um, is you know, shown out there for you. So building a, a solid foundation. We also make informed decisions based on data. You know, there are some people that make decisions on what they know than what they think they know. Absolutely. And I've been, yep, and I've been in, 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 in instances where um, decisions were made, not looking at the data, just kind of looking at it like from an emotional outcome or because someone brought it to my attention that Absolutely. we're doing X, Absolutely. Y, and Z. And so mistakes are made that way and you're having to now navigate and um, kind of what do I do now to, to you know, put a stopgap on this error. So make informed decisions on, on data. Absolutely. We also- Now, yep. Maria, before you go any further, you left out a huge chunk of why you're such an expert. How many different DSOs have you worked at as operations director or director of operations or in some similar okay. capacity? Four, actually. Okay, four. Yes. Okay, that's a heck of a lot of experience and, and that is super, super impressive. Now, yes. before we jump into everything we're gonna talk about, Nicole, I'd love you to take the opportunity to introduce yourself, particularly to me, since I, I thought I thought Miss Perry was coming on. So, <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about who you are and why you are here talking to us today about achieving operational efficiencies. So again, my name is Nicole McVicker. Um, I am the manager of the client success team. So we have a coaching division as well, which also helps you kind of get into understanding how the centralization of the cloud-based program is super imperative to growing this efficiency. And like Maria said, really um, kind of honing in on that data and really explaining to everyone where they're at, what their health of the practice is actually looking like. It does, um, my, my role currently as we're, we are growing as well. So I also manage clients and I have been a really, really big part of growing our current uh, database of our analytics platform and helping our current offices that are on board really extend their growth and extend their own practices to achieve their goals. So um, I actually met Maria the first time at one of the practices that she was um, the head of operations for. So her and I have been working really closely together and the practice heroes team and the coaching team do work hand in hand to make sure that everyone has a really solid foundation into making those transitions into this cloud-based platform and making sure that they have a good experience. Excellent. Okay, so now, Maria, you're about to jump into some great, big, amazing information. And I had to interrupt you because I want to make sure we, we introduce Nicole. I want you guys That's to kind okay. of tag team on this. And I'm going to give you your first question. What is the number one thing that DSOs are doing that private practices should be doing? And I want you guys to take turns on this one. Maria? Sure. Um they they have or they make finance as a big part of their business doctors don't t talk about ebitda there's the mindset of how money is in the bank and profit is not a dirty word you're investing in your practice so i can tell you that for sure yep and, and sales is not a dirty word either folks nope sales is not a dirty word either 
All right, Nicole. So I would say um, just kind of elaborate on that, you know, analytics data, um, really getting to know your practice and knowing where you are and, you know, numbers don't lie. So having that foundation and just being able to determine maybe if you're having RCM uh, workflow problems, even clinical work workflow problems, we can identify all of that through our analytics. Excellent. Now I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have to explain to them what RCM means. I know. Revenue, <laughs> revenue cycle management. So basically all of the funds, the, the finances, um, measuring how well you are doing with your insurance collections, your patient collections, over the counter, how well you're collecting from patients at the time that they walk into the office and have procedures done, and the turnaround time that you actually receive money from your insurance to today. Uh, perfect. So guys, in, in layman's terms, you're looking at, are they paying? How much of what you're producing are you collecting? And how long is it taking you to get it? Because all those things are super important to the only financial KPI that is important, which is cash flow. Doesn't yep. matter what your net production is if you can't cash flow the practice. So I would say net production is probably a, a close second. Um, I, I love what you said there about making unemotional decisions. Um, in my own practice, we use um, management by numbers, which basically means we graph every statistic. We look at what that graph looks like. Depending upon the behavior of the slope of the graph, both in the near term and in the long term, there are very specific formulas that we exercise. Because it's not just important to look at what your KPIs are doing, because if you don't have a factual basis to act upon those numbers, you're still gonna make an emotional decision and then logically justify it by the numbers that you're seeing on the paper. You have to actually have foundationally some training in how to make the right decisions based upon what you're seeing. Would you, would you, would you guys agree with that? Is What, what are yes. some of the systems that they have in place in, in DSOs that, um, that that might help dentists to make good factual, logical decisions based upon their numbers. And, and give some examples if you can. I can tell you that we, we looked at the ratio of AGR, which is adjusted gross revenue, to the UCR, UCF equivalent revenue. And so what does that look like? Well, you know, there are doctors that are, that are in network and in every state, obviously every um, landscape is different. So what that what that does is that it's measuring that if you are a network, what is the percentage between your contractual allowance rate, you know, against your uh, UCR fees? And if you're like working 80 cents to the dollar, then that's a good percentage. But if you start going backwards, like 60, 50, 33 cents to the dollar, then and if you're measuring that, then obviously there's going to be two things. Number one, you're going to take a look at it and say, okay, like case in point. I was working for this large dental group in Southern California and one of our offices was, you know, surrounded by HMO, you know, and, and I know that HMO is like not a, you know, something that's not popular out there, but I got to tell you, this is where then a, a, an office has to flex and schedule differently. And the only reason why Chris is because we had large employer groups surrounding this practice. There were unified school districts and, and, and pharmacy, you know, monster the the drink so 
in essence, it was there were larger employer groups. We knew that we would have this influx of, of patients. However, though, we started keeping track of what our effectivity is, if you will, and that's a made up word, but it is the percentage between your AGR and UCR fees. And so we went back to our, you know, our dental insurance and, and asked them, hey, listen, we're only getting X amount to the dollar. We're only, you're only paying us a supplement, to, you know, supplement for crowns and what have you. Based on our analysis here, we're due for an, inc for an increase and we actually and we did this with, with Delta Care USA. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say that, but we did. And we were able to increase a substantial amount because you know, Southern California was a kind of closed um, with respect to negotiating fees. So having that informed decision and looking at the data, looking at the ratio was definitely important. Um, we also looked at practice expenses. So where are we at now in the market? Currently, I know there's a lot of shortages, right? within within the dental practices, including the DSOs. So people costs have, are going up. And we used to measure it by 21% of net revenue. That's if you're taking away the doctor's salary. So hygiene comps should be 7%, admin, 7%, DA, the dental system, 7%. But if you're looking at your staff costs now, I know it's hard to find the right people for the right seats, then you're going to need to ask yourself, then what is it that I'm going to do differently to help then drive revenue? Because if I'm if I'm paying more than, excuse me, 21% of people cost against my net revenue, what should I do then to grow my business? Should I add more hours? Do I open up the doors in working on a Saturday and a Sunday? I mean, those are things that you have to consider, or do you start looking at your expenses, leveraging it and being more creative? I actually spoke to a doctor the other day um, about perhaps not using a hygienist for now and, and um, purchasing certain types of ins instrumentation to help her, um, you know, do the job that a, that a hygienist may do for the fact in that matter, because she couldn't, she couldn't pay the $60. So, you know, there's practice expenses and leveraging expenses is a huge thing that we did in, in DSOs. Like I said, again, we made finance as a big business. EBITDA is not a word that doctors like to look at and, and you should be looking at it, you know, oh, absolutely. and then of course, yeah. And of course, you know, RCM or accounts receivable, if you're gonna produce them, you need to collect. And and like I said, if there aren't any great foundations in place, they get amplified even more so when you're converting to a software. And I know Nicole can speak to that. Absolutely. And so Nicole, one of the things that we brought you guys on for is also to talk a little bit about how CareStat can address some of these very specific concerns. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, CareStack is a sponsor of the Business of Dentistry and the Deer Doc podcast. They've been very generous to us. They've helped us to actually bring on people to certify that dentists are dentists to get them into the, into the group more quickly. And, you know, we're also talking about doing some, some CE and things like that. CareStack's got an amazing CareStack University. If you guys haven't checked out, you should. Um, so that's my spiel. I was, you know, FCC says we have to let people know. I, I want to make sure we go overboard with it so people do know you guys are sponsors. Nicole, talk to me a little bit about how we can address the proper management of these KPI through CareStack. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we've been working on our analytics platform for several years now. And so we've we've basically got all these KPIs like at a glance, you can access them so easily. Now you can build your own dashboards. But the main ones, especially that even Maria had just mentioned, making sure that what you are producing, that you are collecting that money. Um, so we do provide patient uh, collection, transaction date based, you know, making sure that everyone is actually collecting based on when you're producing and collecting it in a certain amount of time. One other one that we have is, I know this is gonna be a term that's familiar with a lot of people and some maybe not, but over-the-counter collection, basically at the same time that you're producing the services, you're also collecting. So, you know, we, have, we, we do provide the ability to upload your fee schedules and things like that. So, you know, you should have an, a very good idea of what you should be collecting from that patient. So you know that if you have a patient that walks out the door that on that same day of service, it makes that money so much harder to collect. So we do provide the capability to identify if the front desk staff is collecting, when and how much that they should. Um, also on that same point, we do provide different KPIs for insurance collection rates, um, percentages and numerical values as well. And those have been, those have proven, um, you know, it's, it's opened up a lot of opportunities to identify if there are issues with um, either the front desk or the, the, the office managers or even the treatment coordinators, um, if they're actually presenting the treatment and they're collecting based on what those calculations are with their fee schedules. So just that over-the-counter collection rate has opened up so many opportunities that we, you know, you don't have to send out statements as much because people are collecting at the time of service. So I like to tell people that CareStack is an accidental PMS, practice management software. It's accidental because it was actually an analytics machine before it was anything else. It's like a, a PMS or an EHR that was built on top of an analytics machine, which is nice because this doesn't come at any additional cost to the, the practice owner to be able to use this dashboard or build their own dashboard. Now there's a lot, of, um, a lot of folks out there who have tried to pull the data out of your major PMSs and to make it pretty so that it's easy to read. Now we won't go into naming who they are, but they're gonna cost you between $499 well, actually, I think one of them comes in at $399 now. But $399 to, let's say, $599 additional every month to do that. And, um, heck, that's more than half of the price of CareStack, <laughs> which is amazing to me. So I think that's one of the really, really compelling arguments that you have for switching to CareStack is so many of those features are built directly into it. I think one of the things that dentists don't think about is, there's this thing called the profitability formula or the impact formula. Various and sundry people have taken credit for it and they have, um, they've renamed it and they have, um, they, they've, they've made it their own. But the basic formula says that the number of patients that you have come in, the number of visits by patients that you have come in from any source multiplied by the average value per visit or the amount collected per visit, multiplied times your collections percentage, minus your overhead is your profits. It's, it's a common sense thing outside of the world of dentistry, right? But 
inside dentistry, it really isn't. And so when you're looking at this, not only does CareStack help you to know how many patients that came in, right? Mm -hmm. How, what was your average doctor visit cost? What was your percent collections? What was your overhead? Every single one of these things is tracked in CareStack. You could actually spit out your net profitability pretty much instantaneously. And, and you're telling me now you can actually design your own dashboard. I didn't know that. That's super yeah. cool. So you could actually look at month to month, week to week, day to day, what was our net profit today without having to do a whole bunch of calculations. <clears throat> that is super cool. So our next thing. All right, Maria, you've been thinking. <laughs> what is the second thing that dental practices, private dental practices are doing wrong or could do better that DSOs are doing better? There's going to be a third question after this, right? Because I have a couple more after this, but there, there will be. Um, yes, I would have to say we professionalize the business. What does that mean? So you know, you have your single doctor practice or, you know, let's say a couple of doctors in a practice, but then your office manager, they're kind of like the player coach, if you will. And, you know, coming from the, the um, avenue of coming in and, and, and fixing offices, if you will, then my, you know, my, my style, if you want to come in and, and help fix and, and, and um, you know, build systems and, and, and structure, I always, I always, always see 100% of the time that the manager is lacking knowledge or haven't been given the chance to, to grow. And what I mean by that, by number one, you know, having them be part of an organization that'll help them grow uh, professionally. Um, I know that there is, I'm not, you know, there's, there's ADOM um, that I know of. But um, are are there societies or um, communities within within the the, um, the towns that can help them grow their skill sets? There's also going uh, taking classes, if you will. Um, the, the practice managers and the DSO also know how to manage and lead different people. Mm -hmm. um, there's times where you know it's it's better to not deal with conflict than dealing conflict with head on, and that's one of the things that I know we've taught our managers to um, and how to lead versus just managing, right? Because you have to influence people and you also have to be partners with doctors. So there's a lot of that emotional intelligence that we um, also train as well as understanding the business, educating them on how to read profit and loss statements, how to plan and forecast and how to leverage expenses. Those are the things that um, was an added value that I knew when, you know, I was working for a DSO, I had other managers wanted to come on board because they felt like they were gonna have, you know, more knowledge and grow and expand their role. They wanted to be something something bigger than what they, they are like day to day, just as a player coach. So investing in your people, I would say is something that we did. Um, I think that there are doctors that are practicing now that do it better than others. And there are doctors that would just rather, you know, not deal with the conflict. And what happens then, Chris, is that I've seen informal leadership then take take hold of the practice because that manager may not have had the leadership skills, you know, but it's easier for us to hold on to people than look for new ones. So once again, is number one, hiring the right people in the right in the right seats. 
giving them um, the education and knowledge to help them then, you know, obviously lead and manage the business, um, having them go through um, classes, training, if you will, emotional intelligence, um, you know, how to deal with personality styles. And then, you know, fast forward, having our accounting team in finance, um, we did a lot of one-on-ones in understanding the P&Ls, planning and forecasting and leveraging expenses. Uh, I have to say, I couldn't agree with you more. I would actually go a step further, and you're way nicer than I am, so I'm going to say um, what I think, and we won't say this is probably what you were saying, but, you know. So, uh, basically, most office managers and dental practices aren't actually office managers. They're glorified front desk people. They have no skills. Their dentist was afraid that they were going to lose them, and so they kept giving them raises, and at a certain point, because the dentist didn't know how to do the front desk stuff, and didn't know how to file insurance, the dentist became so terrified and thought, well, I can't just keep giving her raises. I'll make her an office manager and then no one else in the office will get upset because she's paid more. And that's pretty much the common track I've seen dentists take whenever it comes to front desk. Nicole, you're nodding really hard over there. So yes. I am. I had this happen in my own practice. Um, I had a um, an office manager, uh, front desk queen is what I like to call them now. Um, well, well, if they don't have the skills of an office manager, an office manager should be respected as such because she actually manages. Um, but unless your office manager has the power of hiring and firing, unless she has the power to okay purchase orders and knows exactly what you want and is fulfilling those wishes, uh, in, in, unless, unless a lot of things, then they're not really an office manager. So this lady in my office, you know, she came to me one day and I said, look, we're still not hitting productivity goals. What's going on? And she tells me, that's not true. Every single day this past month has been scheduled to target. And I looked at her and I said, are you looking at the adjusted production or are you looking at production before write-offs? This was way back whenever I was, I was not fee for service. And she said, I don't even understand why that makes a difference. And I said, well, you can't collect money that's being adjusted off and she had no idea what gross versus net was and th these are basic skills that anyone who's actually an office manager should know because they should have some business training and that is on us as dentists because many dentists will simply abdicate that role to their front office desk uh, front, front desk person and that's when they become front desk queens and these dentists are then held hostage by someone who very often, and I would say probably 60% of the time, begins embezzling from the dentist because the dentist doesn't yeah. know what the hell is going on. They don't know their own numbers and they just basically have no checks and balances to establish that this person is going to be honorable and trustworthy in the representation of that dentist in business. What have you guys found? And Nicole, I know that you wanted to jump in on this one, so I'm I'm going to let you run. Yeah, so we we've we've actually been able to kind of identify or open up the opportunity for maybe someone like you explained, you know, maybe's been working there for a long time, maybe it wasn't as obvious that there might have been some um, deficits in knowledge or understanding of like what's actually happening in their finances because of how other um, softwares might run their finances. So with with CareStack, there's really no hiding any of those numbers. Like we said, numbers don't lie, right? So right. everything is super transparent. There, Everything is auditable. And we've been able to um, 
helped some dentists actually identify, you know, that maybe some of their, their, they couldn't come up with missing cash. So it, you know, it, it came down to the point where she actually, we didn't point out necessarily that she was, that there was like uh, embezzlement or stealing going on, but they, she, she did what she was able to identify that her cash was the only thing that was ended up missing. So, you know, it, mm -hmm. it comes down to the, that one front desk, the front desk queen, if you will, um, who can't, you know, didn't, wasn't really taking accountability for what was going on in the office in general. And, you know, didn't really have the, the care to learn what the important aspects of the business actually is. Cause it's not, you know, the person that's running the office needs to be financially responsible you know in a sense of like handling your business you you know you you're doing the services you want to make sure that the person that you have working on your front desk is capable of getting you the money that you've worked so hard for right Absolutely. so we've also we've also been able to identify um maybe some people you know we've been able to help people become more knowledgeable and more confident and that's the biggest thing for me is giving that person that might be really really good at what they do but they're lacking the confidence or, um, you know, they don't want to be so transparent that they, you know, I've been doing this for a really long time. I've been doing it for 10 years. And now there's more access to data. There's more, we have more insight now. So gotcha. that's been a very important piece in, in making the practice actually grow. You know, I, I have to say, um, a friend of mine, very good friend of mine, uh, messaged me a little while back and he said, uh, finally, that figured out what the problem is, my office manager, she didn't even know what an unassigned credit was. And that, and you guys know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah. That <laughs> blew my damned mind. Yeah. What kind of mess did you guys find when you dug in? I mean, don't answer because I know it's, it's, it's confidential yes. to you and a client. Right, right, right. That, that kind of thing, just blows my mind. Um, another front desk issue we had. Um, I um, I was talking to one of the front desk early on, whenever I started started my practice, and I said I don't understand why we continue to have to write these refund checks every single week. What's going on here? And she said, Well, we just we just quote the patient what the what the software tells us. And I said. Well, so are you are you doing an IVF on each one of these insurances? Or are you doing a, an insurance build? And she said, we verify every patient, Dr. Huffpower. And I went, it's not the same as a build. And yes. so I um, I, I think, and, and this, this horrifies me because as I've been running this group and as I've gotten more involved in helping other dentists and seeing what's going on in their practice, and as you know, I own a couple of companies that's privy to some inside information to other people's practices, what I find is that almost no dental office is doing a complete and proper insurance build. Yeah. And that is your segue into how awesome your insurance module is. <laughs> so your insurance module is one of my favorite. Maria, I know I make you talk about that every time we talk, but it's yeah, really- Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, hand, I'm gonna defer that to Nicole because she's she's the expert in it i mean i was the user if you will but you know it's like what we said right if they don't do a proper insurance a build like an ivf if you will right. things can definitely go awry and 
here's the results of the outcome. So I'm going to, I'm going to defer that to Nicole about the insurance. So are we talking about the insurance payment screen specifically? I'm talking I think it's the about benefits. your whole module. So many different pieces of information. That's what really impressed me when I started using it because I went through the training. Um, we couldn't adopt it in my practice uh, because there's some communication issues because I, I partnered with a, a DSO and they use a very specific piece of software and that specific piece of software does not want to open up their knowledge to uh, CareStack. Uh, so they don't want to write a, they don't want to write a, um, well, it's not really a bridge software, but you guys know what I'm talking about. They, they, they don't yes, want to allow yes. you access to their program. So right. I started training in it because I wanted to know, okay, this, this company says they have this amazing software. So I did a quote and all of a sudden this little red exclamation point pops up. I'm like, what the heck is that? And I click on it. Yeah. And it's like, this is, this is over the patient's limit, or this is not right. Good, or we'll be downgraded to such and such. And I went, yeah. what's this been all my life? <laughs> so it, we get that all the time. <laughs> it's, you know, and it's one of those little unsung hero type things that yes. just have so many amazing features that whenever you're talking to dentists about things, you're like, oh yeah, we've got text to pay and all this stuff. And, and the dentist is getting excited about those things, but it's those little things like, Hey, you can have this conversation now instead of after it comes back denied and how you make that job so much easier. That just right. blows my mind. Well, I, I want to talk about that because I mean, I hope you don't mind, Nicole. There is something that I very much love in the software where it's, where it's all about efficiency, right? And so being in other types of software that I've worked in the past, there was always about like having to run a report, like downloaded Excel, if it can be downloaded Excel and having to manipulate it and so now what we have in our um, claims um, control center, if you will, I'm going to just name it that, there's a way that you can actually work on the insurance aging live. So it's like live, and what I mean by that real-time um, information, where instead of having to flip through reports looking for like Delta Dental, you know, three here, five in the next page, you could actually enter it into a, um, a column, you know, like a search bar, if you will, and now... Your, your insurance people or your admin people can then work the insurance aging efficiently. efficiently. So right. I'm gonna look for the Delta Dental and I can also check on the drop-down box if I wanna um, just concentrate on 60 days and over, you can do that as well. So you can sort by, um, by insurance carrier as well as sort by um, days aging. And the same goes to the reporting where the reporting definitely separates the insurance aging and the patient aging. It's not once again, you having to look through several reports and try to make heads or tails and, 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 and so manipulate it. There in, in what yeah. you're talking about, because guys, if you've got the ability to do this, we talked about data earlier, right? And so if your insurance aging is, you know, unrealistically represented by Lincoln Finance, so to speak, you know, there's an issue in your claims getting to Lincoln Finance and you can do a deep dive and go, oh, boom, at first sight, I know there's something wrong here. And you can investigate it, find the problem and fix the problem before it overwhelms you down the road. And that's amazing. The other point you brought up there that I really wanna address is efficiency. So a lot of, a lot of PMSs, and I, I mean practice management systems docs. So a lot of PMSs out there are set up to where the front desk 
and the back office see different things. So you've got your clinical view and your doctor's used to going, oh, well, to get to that note, you just go click, click. And then you're at front desk view and you're trying to show something to your front desk and it's, okay, you got to click, 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 click. And anytime I go over three clicks, I think there's an inefficiency in that software that needs to be addressed. That's actually how we design software that I work on in my companies. I don't want to have to click more than three times to get to any damn thing. One of the things I love about CareStack is that you simplify the training because everybody's got the same view. You work out of the same exact view and everybody can be trained the same exact way. I don't have to train the front desk. Oh, look, if you're on this screen from scheduling, you got to go to blah, 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 blah. Then you got to do this and you got to do that. And it's not a different route to get to that same information. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And just to kind of even elaborate on that a little bit further, you know, the design is to adopt that same mentality that the same person that's running the front desk and the same person that's setting up the operatory, they should be on the same page. There should be a mutual connection that they don't even have to really speak, that they can just visualize what's on that appointment. And from the front to the back, everything should be a very seamless process. I just love that. I love that thought process. So Nicole, you wanted to tell us a little bit more about the insurance module or did we cover what you were going to tell us? Yeah. So with, with what you had said, we basically have the ability to do that insurance verification through the platform. And, you know, you can plug that information directly in there. You don't have to you have the doc center, but you don't have to refer back to those documents. Everything is fill. You can fill in everything. And then, like you said, you'll see those indicators telling you like, oh, you, you, you know, you're over your limit or um, this, you know, you run your, you've maxed out all your calculations. You can visualize everything. You've got your deductibles as long as the or, information or is going to be downgraded, you know, Hey, that's going to be downgraded <laughs> to an amalgam. How often do front desks miss that? All the time. Yeah, often. Yeah. So yeah. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. So what? is our third thing. Um, I would say that at, at, you know, working in DSO, we were always thinking about growth. We were always asking the questions, how do I grow organically? Or how do I grow through acquisitions? And, and with that, you know, and we made this a, as, a, as a partnership and a practice within the organization. And what I mean by that, it wasn't just like, you know, your C-suites and your directors, it was director and our doctor leaders. You know, yep. so tell them what C-suite is. C-suites are your CEO, CFO, COO, CTO, CIO, all the, all the, you know, the like the, a variable the, alphabet soup in that room. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so you know, growing organically, um, we have we have great systems in, in place in CareStack. Not only are you, you know through our analytics, but also through scorecards, because you're asking yourself like. Okay, so how am I going to go organically? Am I am I at eighty percent or ninety five percent utilization? What I mean by that through the schedule, you know, when's when's the next availability? Do I have a new patient coming in? You know, is it is is it within a week to two weeks, three weeks? So you know, there's a utilization report that you can run. You could also look at your business in a way where, you know, what we're only doing ninety percent of profit. We're just like a profit mill. What happens at the perio? You know, where, where, where's the sealant going? So these are things that they can actually, and I know Nicole can, can speak to this, um, we can create scorecards as well as analytics so that you can 
track your business, gauge what's going on, having the pulse of practice. So, so organically, we're always looking to that, you know. So Nicole, I'd like you to expound on that and, and talk to us a little bit about how you create the scorecards, how do you use them, and how do you use them specifically without upsetting your team? <laughs> without upsetting. So the scorecards are a part of like, we have our reports and we have our analytics dashboard and the scorecards are the same KPIs, but they're just more, um, our analytics dashboard does go by a specific, you know, month to date or what we typically run in a health perspective would be like the last 30 days. The scorecards are intended so that you can generate those and keep those date ranges. So you can kind of identify from those points um, how well you are growing or how well you are increasing your, your percentages in terms of patient collection, insurance collection, um, new patients seen. Uh, another one that's really important is your scheduled versus actual. How much of that same day, you know, if you're doing the profi mill, how, why aren't you able to, you know, convert some of those pa patients back into other treatment? Um, the scorecards are just, uh, Kind of like a line level entry as opposed to the dashboard where they're tiles um, but they are capable of giving you all that same information but you're able to store it and look at it in a different way and kind of compare it and on that same note the analytics dashboard does also have the capability to if you're running your your analytics right now for the last 30 days it does give you the ability to identify what that previous date range is so are you up or are you down comparatively can we look at the previous uh, month over year? And how far back can yeah. we do that? So um, right now we have the, the capability to compare it to the last previous year. I think we um, are planning on bringing in more capability from that as well. Um, but right now we are limited to just at least that last period, that last year. Okay. So is there anything else I missed or should have asked about that specific topic. Is there anything else you'd like to elaborate in terms of the scorecards, Maria? Well, I, I, you know, I know that we were using it with another client with respect to the, um, you know, the, the profi versus perio percentages, if you will, because I know that you can create the scorecards as well as the analytics down to the code level. If yep. you're um, gauging performance, let's say of a new doctor, um, and there's expectations that you've laid forth, you know, you've, you've, you've hired in an associate or, or what have you, and you've um, basically let them know that this is what I want you to do, to, to, to do X, Y, and Z as the doctor owner, of course. And, and I know that there are, are doctor practices out there that are looking at their associate performance where they've laid down the, the, the basically the level of expectations. So you can also gauge I hate to use the word performance, but it's 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 the only type of um, word that comes into my mind, um, and it's because you know you have these doctors that are may, may have just come out of dental school, and and you're a great mentor, um, and and you also want them to ramp up production perhaps. So this is a good way for you to give them the the data, he or she the data as to this is where you're at, this is where you should be and you're and you're tracking great i see more of x a little bit do a little bit more y and you'll get to z so okay. I, i've yeah i've seen doctors use the analytics in helping them um, coach and mentor their associate uh, in in their practice 
Absolutely. And I, on that same note, not only just the, um, the other associates in there, but it's also even when we've seen single practice, single provider practices, we've also been able to identify maybe some um, areas where they thought that they were doing a little bit better, but we actually identified that there was maybe some workflows that were contributing to inflated production. So we get them back down to, you know, understanding where they actually are so that they can properly manage their finances. Talk to us a little bit about those workflows and um, what you've seen specifically so that if if our doctors out there are having this problem, they can fix it themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So um, whenever you have a, a code, whether, that, whether that's a custom code or an actual ADA code, dental code, there's a fee attached to that, right? So if you are completing um, multiple codes, maybe in place for like a crown prep or a crown delivery, as opposed to just the you know D2740, um, if you're using some workarounds maybe to Get around your insurance. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of, of that, Chris. I know it's different in every state, of course. So um, it's sometimes the insurance won't pay until you deliver the crown or something like that. So Absolutely. if you attach these to those, then you know you're inflating your production. So those, you know, it's it's important to make sure that everyone clinically in the front and the back knows how to collect on those and what the proper protocols for that. So we've actually been able to advise a proper protocol instead of the, what they were using. That's a really good point. And it's something I think, definitely I don't think about anymore because like I said, I'm, I'm fee for service. Right. I don't have to think mm -hmm. about those things anymore. But so nice. <laughs> it is nice. I think, if I, I think if I started taking insurance, again, my entire team would just leave. They've just gotten so used to just how amazing it is not to have to worry about those problems. But um, mm -hmm. so, what is number four? Well, we did talk about structure processes equals outcomes, right? So yes. we did kind of like a high level um, information with respect to that. Um, it's one of the things that I've seen um, most of the time is where doctors are not laying down the foundation. And what does that mean? Well, first of all, you, you, you've opened up your practice, you've obviously had a vision. And there are many times I've seen many doctors veer away from that vision because now they're working just working in the practice than working on the practice. And I know that's a, a lot to handle. I, I can't tell you because I'm not, I'm not a doctor owner, if you will, but I can see the, the blood, sweat, and the tears. But that's where you then, if you're hiring right, and you're giving them the tools to, to be successful, meaning training, getting them trained, training them in some way, form or fashion, and, and then laying them down your foundations. There's that part where that miscommunication was never communicated. So people are coming up with their own processes. And so that's what happens where we see people coming over, converting, and once again, it's amplified where, and I always look at this, I always look at the AR or accounts receivable first, that tells me whether there's busts in the systems. And so usually that comes back to our front administrative team or our clinical team are not posting procedures correctly or not knowing what type of procedure codes to, to, um, to um, you know, um, complete, if you will. Mm -hmm. So there's gotta be structures and processes in the clinical, as clinical aspect as well as the administrative aspect and all that has to meld together. Mm -hmm. 
you know, one of the things I see too is that, you know, you're paying for a lot of, let's say you're doing a lot of marketing, right? And you're paying for all this marketing. You're, you're looking at, you know, your ROI or return on investment. And you don't have a process in place where, let's say you did a lot of print ads or you did a TV ad and there was not a code in the system to say this patient was referred to us by the TV ad. Mm -hmm. You're just putting them in as a new patient. And you're just throwing you know, money out the door then. Yeah. So, you know, you got, you, it's, it's, it's so one of those I'm, things where I'm going to say this, you got a lot of lay down, lay down the roadmap, if you will. Go ahead. Hold on. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, that's okay. Hold on. Something, something came on in the background. Let me kill this. Very sorry about that. I got a weird echo there. Um, the Facebook live all of a sudden started playing in the background. Uh, so one of my biggest pet peeves is that doctors don't actually know where their advertising dollars are going. And uh, by the way, Maria, check your messenger, your Facebook messenger. I bet you can't help but smile when you see what I sent you. That's from my phone. Cause I was trying okay. to explain this to someone the other day. Uh huh. I'll wait. I want, I want to see when you open it. Okay. Doc sent a photo. Oh my God. Yes. Yep. I actually, <laughs> I believe, I believe in a, in a, a true reciprocal model though. Um, yes. The, the one that I draw out is actually a triangle with double headed arrows going in each direction because each one can inform the other. But it's something that so many um, so many doctors they they've never even seen that model, and so Speaking they my language. I, I, I thought you'd like that. Yes. So, <laughs> so so what do you what do you think about that thought about a truly reciprocal model where each one informs the others? So the the middle model that is there, imagine yep. that model, but all of the arrows are double sided. That's almost like similar to my practice operating cycle. You know, mine's more we're going to have to talk about that. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. But it's true. It is reciprocal. It's also cyclical, right? Yes, and absolutely. Every, and every part of your business where there's pre-arrival, there's, you know, there's exercises, events, things that are happening real time that have to happen for pre-arrival. Then there's arrival. You know, what do you, what is the intake look like? What is the, the handoff from the, from the front desk to, to the, uh, to the, the clinical? And then Absolutely. you're talking about treatment and of, co of course, post-treatment. So yeah, we can, we can talk about this. So, and, and so getting back to the, back to the model and the reason that you brought it up, we're talking about insurance and, or rather advertising. And I was going to talk about insurance because one of the things that most dentists don't realize is that insurance is the single lowest ROI, most expensive and least effective advertising that they run in their practice mm -hmm. because insurance is advertising. The whole reason mm -hmm. you take it is not so that you can get paid less. I mean, if you want to get paid less, you could just discount it at the front desk, I suppose. You take it so that they send you patients and your agreement with the insurance company is that I will accept a decrease in the amount that I charge for my fees to your patients that you send me through this form of advertising. But see, the thing is, is that in all standard business models across the board, no matter what industry you're in, the acceptable amount of expenditure whenever it comes to your gross revenue is 7%. And any advertising method that costs more than 7% is considered to be a complete and utter waste of money. So why are 
90% of dentists taking insurance. That didn't have a good reason either. <laughs> right. But I can tell you, I mean, I'm, I can tell you why we didn't. Here. And it's because, yeah. <laughs> well, it's because, you know, it's a different business model, right? Every, even uh, DSOs have different business models you right. know, against other right. DSOs. So, you know, the reasons for number one, employer groups, if you have huge employer groups within that community, obviously um, you want to take them in. And I, we, we did a test one time and it was at, um, you know, at a very busy market area, if you will, where we decided to, to drop it. Now I'm not telling everybody to do this, but it, you have to take a look at obviously your business model. And I'm not saying for everybody to do this. We just decided to do this. Right. We were right. thinking like, you know, our, our doctors are great doctors. Um, we have wonderful hygienists. They'll stay. But unfortunately we saw, we started gauging, um, and then analyzing as to the many of the patients that would return back wanting to come back as out of network. And unfortunately, because how they were sold in the employer, right, you, you're going to get this insurance. This is how much you should pay. I mean, you know, this is how much should be your copay. So they'll tell us, you know, can't afford it. So it, it took a while for us to actually grow the business being out of network for that, out of that one insurance company. It's just, it, you know, it, you can't grow it overnight, but you've got to have, a plan in place. Um, prior to that, we ended up also having um, a membership plan, you know, Absolutely. because we wanted, we, so we wanted to, okay, okay so if we're going to get rid of that one, it was only 30% of effectivity, let's say. So let's go ahead and get our, our you know, create our, our membership plan. We have a, a, by X amount of UCR fees, we're getting more versus staying on that plan. But it, you know, it took us, I would say like over a year and a half to grow the business back up only because there was such a huge volume of, of that employer group. So that's well, just, that makes that's sense. just a story I can say. That makes perfect sense. By the way, um, how are you liking your, uh, your podcasting setup? Did it work out well for you? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of like, you know, I'm not a techie kind of person. <laughs> um, I did get my, my ring light and everything, but um, I may have to like probably call you and, and, you tell me how to do it. <laughs> we'll just get on FaceTime. I'll tell you what to hook up. Yes, to. yes. <laughs> so um, I, I wish we could all have nice windows so we could have natural light like Nicole here yes. does. <laughs> Gosh. I don't know. I'm like, looking, I'm like, I think I should get a ring light. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Actually, your lighting is almost exactly perfect. You have a nice isosceles triangle on the opposite side of the, the main light. Um, I'm using what they call hatchet lighting, where both sides of my face are lit and it's, the center's dark. I like to call it the Batman lighting. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tempted. I'm the Batman. <laughs> so, so we've covered a few things. What is your your fifth thing? And Nicole, do you want to take this one? Or Maria, do you want to tag in on it? I'd like to tag on it too. Okay. Um, good groups have good doctor leadership versus doctor meadership. That's what my colleague uses. I like that. Yeah. I like the doctor yeah. leadership. Yeah. Managing going on there. Or, or holding on to knowledge, not wanting to mentor. And, and, you know, I'm always about this, whether you're a manager or a doctor leader, you know, you're, you're as good as your weakest link and the people that work with you and for you is an extension of you. So, it's always good to have that leader that people can, you know, number one, 
not be afraid to go to yes. that's and the doctor leader you know they know already they have that safe relationship if you will that you can mentor them and coach them um so i've always seen that successful groups always have the best doctor leaders versus I, the I doctor leaders absolutely 100% <laughs> yeah. you know it's um my mother taught me something a long, long time ago. And she said, you know, Chris, when you do this, there's three fingers pointing directly back at you. Whenever you're looking for someone to blame for something, rather than looking for the cause of the hardship or the, heart or the pain that you're trying to fix, then you're looking in the wrong direction. So just, yeah. You know, my my humble opinion there. Nicole, did you want to weigh in on that? Some doctor meetership? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. Knowledge is absolutely power. And um, my from my background, like I, I started working as uh, my very first job before I was, you know, even 18, I was working as a lead assistant in a fee-for-service office. And I took the opportunity to just learn as much as I could. And I had a good mentor at that point too. So it taught me a lot. And I feel that it's also helped me kind of get into the, get into the place that I am today and, you know, spreading that knowledge to teammates and clients or offices alike. Um, I think it's super important. You know, like I said, knowledge is power. The more you know, the more you grow. And that gives us all the ability to reach our goals. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of the things that private practices are doing well that DSOs are not. Because it's not all bad, guys. You know, there's a reason private practices still exist. And that's because they are doing something right. And so what is that? And what I've seen, and I, Maria, I don't know if you'll agree, but I think that a lot of private practices, you know, they really do focus on that patient care, um, keeping the dentist in the chair as much as possible, having that, you know, trust and accountability in their front desk, a mutual respect for the patients and the practice. They really hone in into the community and also know very well to personalize their, their business, if you will. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of, uh, not DSOs, but you know, successful doctor practices, if you will, that are so active in the community and the community supports them and lifts them up, mm-hmm. if you will. It gives back to them. Um, I know that that's one thing is that personalization of, of patient care and experience where they can sometimes just pick up the phone or text you um, and not having to go through, let's say, like a voice over IP and for somebody to connect with you. Um, I press, think that there's that personalized, yeah. Press two for yeah. Spanish. <laughs> Press three for, for Swahili. Yeah. First one for the ad, you know, the your for your if you have a bill, two for right. what Absolutely. have you. So, yeah. That living and working and playing and living, working and playing in the community that you practice, I've seen a lot of success, especially if the doctor's active. I absolutely agree. You know what? I'd love to see. I'd love to see somebody um, have the guts to do this. If you'd like to speak to a live person, press one now. If you'd like to use the computer, press two now. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be refreshing? You pick up the phone, and you're like, wait, what? One? You know, there's some places I'd be pressing two as fast as possible. No, no, no. I've already dealt with your live people. Or zero. I just right. talked to a real person. 
Oh gosh, you know, there's actually websites that are dedicated to large businesses and how do you get to a real person? Uh, the, the IRS is notorious for it. There's actually a website that says, when, when the phone picks up, push this number, wait exactly this many seconds, then push this number and this number, then wait, then push this number, this number, and this number, and you'll be talking oh to a live person. And it's it's gotten it's gotten so horrible because, you yeah. know, and, and with the IRS, I get it. But with the dental practice, it's exactly the opposite. We want to remove barriers yes. to treatment. We want to remove barriers for people to make appointments. We don't want to create them. Now, the IRS, they probably don't want you telling them that they screwed up and, you know, whatever. They If they want to talk to you, they want to talk to you and they'll call you. But it's... um. It's the opposite in a dental office. We're in a service industry. We we need to be approachable. We need to be accessible. Yeah. Right. So, I think that um, I think that's a lot of things that private practices are doing right. I'll say though, there's one thing that we didn't cover that private practices can do that many DSOs do, and they can do that right now and that is to use enterprise grade software guys this is where i'm talking about my commercial for carestack because <laughs> carestack was originally developed how'd you like that segue guys carestack was originally <laughs> developed for dso's and now we as private practitioners have the access to these powerful tools that dso's use every day to run circles around you in efficiency. So take some of the hints and tips that we've given today, put them into practice in your practice, regain your competitive edge, and then keep doing the things you're doing right. Last words up to you guys. Anything else that we need to say today or anything that I've forgotten to mention? I think that we've we've hit it all, Chris. I mean, you really got to hit all the great spots. Yeah. I don't think we've left anything out, to be honest with you. All right. Well, yeah. Fantastic. So, guys, one more time, introduce yourselves one last time. Tell them how they can find out more about CareStack, and then we'll tell everyone goodbye. So. Yep. You Maria? can reach. Yep. You can reach me, Maria Fuertes, at CareStack. So it's M Fuertes. That's F-U-E-R-T-E-S, not Fuentes, at carestack.com. Nicole. Again, my name is Nicole McVicker, and you can reach me at nmcvicker, that's N-M-C-V-I-C-K-E-R, at carestack.com. Well, guys, thank you for giving us another hour of your time listening to the sound of my voice drowning on. And, and, and some of the wonderful information that these lovely human beings have been providing to you. I hope that you have found something in this podcast that was of value. Thank you again for listening. Bye. Hi. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc Podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Deer Doc Podcast on all major platforms. <laughs>